Good day and welcome to the first official episode of a new podcast series I'm calling Is There Anything Else I Can Help You With? The focus of this series will be on creating, managing, and improving customer service or customer experience systems and hopefully share some stories along the way, offer advice, and maybe create a bit of a community around customer experience delivery that you will find valuable for your own customer service organizations. Maybe a bit out there to think that such a podcast series is needed and, you know, only time will tell if you keep listening and what you hear on this podcast spurs you to think differently. Maybe it validates what you're doing now, but at minimum, my hope is that you feel connected as a community, embracing um, the same kinds of challenges that everybody does and delivering the best in customer experience. And you know what? Maybe walk away with some ideas for your own company. So who am I? My name is David Wilson. I live in Toronto, Canada, and I've spent more than 25 years in roles. Well, if I'm honest, it's more than 30 years in roles that involve customer service or customer experience. I've had the privilege of working with some of the best brands out there like Capital One and Uber, but I've also been a huge student of customer service along the way kind of operational nerd, if you will, watching and testing and listening to customers and trying to iterate on the way services are delivered and received. This podcast is a representation of learnings I have taken away over the years from the many different roles I've been privileged to have. I I have a true passion for customer service and customer experience, and I think that my collective background has allowed me to understand human behavior as it per- pertains to a service experience. I'm not a psychologist, I'm just a student. I've said things, in, and I'll say things in this podcast that I've said to many audiences over the year, both in um, large speaking engagements, um, right over to being with the front line and delivering training. Uh, I've learned through mistakes. I've learned through data. And I've also learned from many mentors of mine who've challenged me to think differently about the way we deliver customer experiences. So I'm hoping to add new episodes each week, talking through learnings in, say, QA as a program, or getting the most out of your production floor, or dealing with contact center companies to maybe understanding what geographies and agents are most suited to the experiences you want them to deliver. I'm excited to share and I hope along the way to hear from you and also to learn from your own experiences. To that end, um, you can email me at david at gettheedge.com and let me spell out that domain for you. It's gettheedge, G-E-T-T-H-E-E-D-G, gettheedge without the final E on edge.com. It's a customer experience consultancy we're building that's all about experience design and delivery. Feel free to email me with questions or comments or suggestions for episodes. I I love to hear back on the content and how to make this more relevant for you. I'm also doing this podcast to act as a bit of a blueprint to understand how to craft the right environment to unlock the front line so that they feel empowered to deliver at the highest quality. And let me put a disclaimer in here. I don't claim to have the only solution or that you'll agree with me on everything. I think I'm putting forward ideas, I'm trying to provoke thoughts, um, and providing insights that have been really helpful for me over the years. You may want to change things up and customize your own solution, and to that I say, go for it. I'm a huge fan of iterations, jumping in and figuring out things on your own. So now let's, let's just talk about the title of this podcast for a second. Why did I call it 
Is there anything else I can help you with? So here's the thing. At, at asking a customer at the end of a call, is there anything else I can help you with, is probably one of the most often spoken phrases in the entire world on a daily basis. Think about it. But also one of the least useful. There are millions of agents in thousands of call center companies who speak to, on average, you know, let's just say somewhere between 40, 50, 60 conversations a day um, where they actually use this phrase. I hope you're almost as sick of it as I am right now. I've spent more than 25 years, like I said, in customer service functions from the government to private sector to the entrepreneurial side. I have been involved with small to very large customer service teams that conversations have been, they run from very simple and transactional interactions to complicated and highly emotional situations. But no matter the sensitivity, the complexity, the importance to customer expectations of the right outcomes, there is one thing they all seem to have had in common. At the end of the call, those familiar nine words that have haunted me more and more over the years. Is there anything else I can help you with? It hasn't just been the greatest challenge of my working side. I'm also a consumer like you, and like you, I have called customer service functions for many reasons over the years. I can easily say it's the worst part of any customer service support interactions I receive. Every time I hear it delivered, um, I think to myself, no, I don't have anything else I would have asked before now. So perhaps my frustration is me being a little too sensitive based on hearing a constant stream of the use of, of this phrase over the years from both sides. But it's mostly because since I don't want to hear it, I cringe when I do hear it being said over and over again to the millions of customers that hear it from the functions I've been privileged to manage. So then why do customer service professionals or agents, why do they say it? I'm sure there are instances when truly someone wants to check in to make sure all questions have been answered. I'm also sure there are customers who appreciate the fact that an agent is being thorough on their behalf, but not me. <laughs> My own personal take on why almost every agent interactions ends with, is there anything else I can help you with, is this. Here's the deal. It's a way out of the conversation. Period. Let me just pause and let that sink in. It's a way out of the conversation. An agent says this when they believe they've reached, reached the natural end of the conversation and are trying to find the exit door. You want to move on, and this is the way to instigate it. No one really expects a customer on the other end of the phone line to say, yes, in fact, I have 18 more things to talk to you about, so thanks for asking. As an agent, you have metrics to manage and supervisors will be coming to your desk soon if you are over the expected interaction time. Maybe you're on some kind of productivity plan that rewards you for answering a quota of calls every day. God, I hope, that, I hope that's not true. I can't imagine a less effective customer service strategy than call quotas. Whatever the reason, the line comes out and eventually both caller and agent agree to end the call and move on. Note that no one ever does it at the end of an email exchange. So if the argument is that it's a standard practice, then shouldn't it also be written in emails too? It is 
the known practices well that I've seen in live chat um, situations, but it's the same reason as it is for voice. It's used as an exit path for the chat. So I think it's a questionable practice, and here's why I think this is so. Agents are there to answer to their customers. They should be making the interaction all about the customer and not themselves. Looking for a way out of the conversation is less about the customer and more of a tactical act, some might even say even selfish, act on the part of the agent or the company that directs them to formally ask it. As an agent, if you are even the most diligent and helpful person who takes pride in the very highest level of service, trying to artificially close the conversation now has now has taken what might have been the most insightful and personalized experience down a notch and made it about them instead. When you say it as an agent, you're making your customer on the other end of the phone say to themselves, you know, well, maybe this is just personal. Oh, please, can we just get to the end of this call? Why are you making me answer this question? And you're more than likely to hear a no. This is just so typical, and I dread it every time I come to the end of these calls. Okay, maybe this is a bit of an exaggeration, or quite possibly just how I personally feel about the end of a customer service call, but I suspect I'm not alone in this feeling. So then, why do so many people do it? How did this become the norm for all customer service interactions by phone? I can think of three contributing factors. I'm sure there's more, but I can think of three contributing factors that would lead to where we are today. So, like I just referenced, the first one is everybody else does it. It's a standard practice. And to that I say, hey, if you want to be standard, then go right ahead. I'm hoping by listening to this podcast that you strive for more than standard, whether you are delivering service or managing one or involved in creating a system. Perhaps you work with one or more call center companies who have agents that move back and forth between programs and you've actually inherited habits. In the absence of clear direction on the way the calls should be summed up or concluded, the default situation is in place, and that's what this is. It's not that common to see a soft skills focus on elements of the ending of a phone call. It's much more likely there is clearer direction on how you want to start the call, meaning the name of the company, who you are, perhaps a reference to a differentiated service such as a loyalty program. Rarely is the same rigor applied to the end of a phone call. And look, this is not about blame. This is about opportunities. Opportunities to increase the brand connection. But beware. I've also learned that the forces of is there anything else are strong. Breaking this habit is definitely a hard one to do. And the fight could be ongoing. It's not just a one and done thing here. I made an attempt at my current company to do this, and I'll admit to varying degrees of success, and I know I still have work to do to help the agent ecosystem itself understand not only not to do it, but what to do instead. I have to think more about beyond new hire training or making this a markdown on a quality assurance assessment. Honing the skill is a training module in itself with lots of role playing to get there. It is also, I would think, incredibly important to bring the management layers of the call center company along for that same journey. 
um, you know, some of the folks in the BPOs, they move between programs or they're frontline agents who get promoted from the frontline and then they get placed in your program without potentially going through your training or understanding your brand, your brand. So they bring their own baggage with them. Now, note that baggage is a term I'll use from time to time, and it represents the entirety of the experience before the customer interaction happens, but not more about that later. So to get out of this situation, it requires a very focused effort to extend the brand experience during the interaction. And so that kind of leads me to the second one, which is um, an opportunity in the customer experience design phase. So I think another one of these contributing factors um, taking this point further is that customer experience tends to be an afterthought behind process, policy, and product. I've been in many organizations where the customer service strategy team is not included up front. It's mostly been about policy and product along the way. Worst case scenarios have the service functions find out from customers when new products or process is sent um, to the customer base. And I have, I've definitely been in those situations. From experience, I can tell you that the best customer value comes when business intent creators overlap with the customer service strategy. For example, uh, while working for a credit card company, upgrading the plastic to incorporate the new chip technology several years ago, this was you know at least 10 years ago, it was a huge endeavor. It required a reissue of 100% of all credit cards to the customers. I remember having a conversation with the lead project manager at the time who told me point blank the planning was not going well. Too many groups working in silos trying to create a good experience, uh, but none of the team had actually had any direct involvement with customers, and so they didn't really understand the questions that they would ask or the challenges that they might have also had. You know, all too often companies think they instinctively know what customers want or make assumptions about customer behavior. And they, you know, they try their best to scenarioize um, all outcomes, but they may not think through the entirety of the customer um, journey itself. So in this case, the project manager asked if our customer service function could get directly involved in the planning, which, you know, we were only happy to do. We jumped in and, you know, we actually extended an invitation to bring some folks from our contact centers that also might be touched by the impacts along the way. The team were then able to update the overall plan by thinking about the entire cycle of the reissue and the project was not only completed on time, but because we had thought through all of the impacts, there were far less customer service needs than expected. So look, this was a win-win for everybody. The outcome for the is there anything else factor is that when you have agents who know why they are answering what um, what customers are, are hoping for can then lead to a well thought out outro to the conversation. And so that kind of then again leads me to the third contributing factor, which I believe is an underinvestment in customer service soft skills. Companies may not give sufficient thought about the value of customer service, and instead they look at, at it as a cost center, thereby you know, forcing them to think about how, how do we cut it down or make service more efficient. Um, it's a fairly common gap I see today that almost no company that I've been part of or worked with or interacted with professionally has built that comprehensive understanding of the value of customer service. You know, there's always other priorities out there um, that are definitely important. Um, and analytics teams are almost overburdened with requests for other projects. And 
you know, somehow the value of one of the most important and costly areas of the business gets overlooked, except when they're bad experience. If the question gets asked, what is the value of customer experience? A whole horde of smart people um, haven't necessarily for me yet provided a grounded understanding of how customer service is in fact value add. Look, I've not been able to do it either. Um, but you know, in my in my career, I've mostly been part of customer service teams, and thus didn't get access to the the power of the, the of the data analyst teams. But you know, let's pause and think about this for a moment. Customer service ends up being the face, the voice, the human interactive side of a product or service based company. Our opinions as as consumers um, are heavily based on how we feel about the product and the service that supports it. And at its core, customer satisfaction is a sentiment measurement. And to focus solely on product or policy will leave out opportunities to include more emotional elements. And so as a result, there is little soft skill investment in the front line. For instance, there's likely no ongoing customer experience investment post initial new hire training. Companies want agents to be on the job and costing them as little as possible. And I get it. It's the reality of the business. No annual budget making exercise that I've been personally involved with has taken into consideration an amount to invest in soft skill or brand building or loyalty training. Furthermore, it's rare to see a company's marketing department become directly involved in the evolution of delivery experience from customer service. It, it seems like such a no-brainer to think that such a significant portion of a consumer's experience with a company is driven by their agents, that marketing teams should be falling all over themselves to be involved. I've seen, I've seen flashes of this, um, but I've, I've felt like it's not necessarily the norm. And look, there's a clear reason to do so. I recently saw um, the output from a a study from Dimensional Research that said that 52% of consumers say they have, they've actually made an additional purchase from a company after a positive service experience. Another drawback to the lack of thought in customer experience is that the tendency is to go to the populist metrics of efficiency, quality, and satisfaction to, to measure whether it's successful or not. Organizations use average handle time and average service levels and average speed of answer, all of which lead to an average experience. What if we thought more about what is the right amount of time needed to make sure the experience is what the customer wanted? How about not looking at a clock metric, but a did I get the intent right and answer it correctly metric? We shouldn't care about the length of a call if the answer is what the customer wanted. The fact is, you know, there's varying degrees of, of need out there, Some, and it all comes out in the wash in, in my mind. Success metrics should be based on what the audience wants and not be led necessarily solely by a pro forma generic expectation. People aren't generic. They have very different personality types and needs. Some folks, maybe they want a 60-second fast call where confidence in the answers is, is really high. Um, others maybe want you to understand how their situation is personally impacting them. 
And while others still, maybe they ask more than the usual number of questions. And, and so the point here is that we should tailor the responses in a soft skill training um, to understand how to respond to the individual on the phone, not drive an artificial stop point that at times will leave the caller unfulfilled and potentially having to call back again. So again, having a broader and separate strategy to understanding the emotional part of the relationship with the company is an opportunity seldom leveraged, in my opinion. I'm a huge fan of Gartner's research. They have actually, over the years, been immensely helpful to me as an input into my own customer service strategy thinking. Um, and, and they've actually, I, I, another study I saw um, speaks to where 89% of, com- of companies today believe that customer experience is the new battleground for brands. Something to think about. And look, if I think about it today, there's an ever-growing distance from the spirit of a company's mission to the front line as more and more companies move to outsource their customer service. The goal is to find efficient ways to deliver it. So outsourcing to a business process outsourcer, a BPO or a call center company is a preferred route for a whole bunch of reasons. But in doing so, companies are also outsourcing their management of the experiences to a third party who has their own way of training and their own way of managing that may not be aligned to the desired experience. This is not to say that BPOs don't try to do their best to bring in the highest customer satisfaction. The point here is that if a company does not have the clearest vision of the experience, then the reality is that BPOs will use their own soft skill training, their own quality management, and their own interpretation of your brand that may or may not be close to what you want your customers to experience. You know, I... Executives would have a hard time admitting that the way their customers feel and appreciate um, companies is as equally reliant on the experience that a customer service agent delivers. Somewhere in a country such as the Philippines or India or Colombia, an agent that is paid a very modest wage has, has a, high, um, a high degree of influence on customer loyalty through their interactions as as much as the millions and billions placed into product development. A single disastrous phone interaction can end a consumer relationship in a heartbeat. There are scarcely any products out there today that don't have competitors in today's world. Consumers have choices and can move to the next product in an instant if there's friction created in their relationship with a company. The greatest products out there will not be as successful if there is a terrible customer service function that isn't aligned to the experience expectation. And look, I'm not going to name any names here. You may have had your own bad experiences to pull from. So if we circle back to the podcast title, what this all means is that over time, a customary end of all ends to interactions inevitably contains the dreaded, is there anything else I can help you with? The minute I hear it, I immediately say, no, that's it. You can now end the call. I'm not suggesting the phrase is so terrible that it should never be heard. Sometimes customers have more than one question to ask or more than one problem to solve during that interaction. If you hit upon a very zealous agent that launches into problem solving and finds the outcome you need and then in their enthusiasm solves your issue so quickly that they get there before they've had the opportunity to ask the second question, you might actually appreciate the offer. 
If indeed that was the case, I also wouldn't mind being asked the question. Let's face it, that would not be a normal expectation today. Getting to all the questions that a customer has is the basic responsibility of the agent, and then researching and solving is the next step. The point being made here is there is an appropriate time to hear that question, and the end of the call is not the right time. If you have to wait until the end of the call to hear that question, then I personally would consider that to be a failed call. The right placement of the question is nearer to the start of a call. An agent should ask all the questions they need to at the beginning so they are doing the right research and providing the customer with a well-formed answer. You know, maybe that question at the end of the call influences the primary question. You know, perhaps there's something relevant in the follow-up questions that would also be important to know while researching. Look, if a company's looking for efficiency, then this is a good example of how to achieve it, not to extend the call unnecessarily while they research um, a potentially uh, solvable question at the beginning. The end of the call is your opportunity to show how valuable the time the customer has spent with you can be. It's an opportunity to wrap up the actions taken or the advice given to advocate and educate, to deliver a brand-building relationship. Achieving the exit plan may make your company happy for efficiency, but it doesn't exactly make you a star with your customer. Which is more important? That's up to you to decide. I'm by no means suggesting I'm right or I'm perfect, but think about the outcome of the call, the focus on the customer instead of on the agent. And in my own humble opinion is the more we make our conversations about the customer, the more they appreciate it and will stay loyal. Now, who would have imagined you could create a whole podcast around the way someone ends a business call, but there you have it. <laughs> So this is the first of the end of the first episode. Um, there are so many topics to cover, and I'm excited to get to the next one. Like I said earlier, we're going to cover such areas such as agent scorecards, getting the most out of your production floor, how to work with a BPO, things like that. And you know, I'm also curious to hear what you might want to have covered as well. So again, my name is David Wilson. My email address is david at gettheedge.com. Please reach out and connect. Tell me what you think. And, you know, I'm also, I love to hear feedback. And in the spirit of today's episode, let me end by saying, look, we've talked through some ways to improve your brand connection. We've provoked some thinking about soft skills and experience design suggestions. And if there is nothing else, I'm going to let you get back to your day. Thanks, everyone. Please subscribe to this podcast. I'm looking forward to connecting again.